Praise God. We welcome our guests who are with us today. We're so glad you're with us. I want you to feel at home in the presence of the Lord here today. As God talks to all of us through his word and spirit together. While you're standing, if you wouldn't mind turning to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And not very often do I make this statement, but uh, I would recommend that you get a piece of paper and a pen today and write down every passage of scripture I reference. I'm getting ready to reference 45 scriptural locations and 99 verses I'm going to read to you today. I absolutely have almost no notes whatsoever. I'm going to read the word of God to you. We are struggling with the value of the word. Some of you are going through battles and troubles and trials and you're trying to get answers from me and from others. I'm telling you, we don't have the answer. But if you'll get this good old book out and you'll begin to pray and ask God to speak to you, I'm going to lay some scripture on you today that is the culmination of 12 months of preaching. This is what I've preached this year. And if you just take this, just act like you don't have a Bible and just take these texts and just every time you're in trouble, just start reading these. You're going to be okay. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. One of my favorite passages of scripture. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. New King, or King James Version says in earthen vessels. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. Your words are telling what you believe. Your mouth is, is, is telling what you believe. Listen to yourself. Record yourself during the day and go home and play it back. Your words are saying what you believe. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it, for it is all for your sake so that as grace extends to more and more people it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, momentary, temporary. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Amen? I want to speak to you this morning from this thought. Attitudes and examples and trials and persecutions. Attitudes and examples and trials and persecutions. We began this year with the death of a great man in this church. We concluded this year with the death of another man in our church. And, and I feel like we've reached bookends. So what will we do with 2017? Will we have learned? Will we walk into 2018 and say, Jesus is on the throne and all is well? Or will we have been so defeated and gutted and tortured and torn that we walk into 2018 saying, I'm not sure God's still alive. I'm going to lower some scripture on you today 
that I pray when the story is done in a few minutes, you're going to say, man, my God is real. He is powerful. He is mighty and he is awesome. And he is with us and has never forsaken us and never will forsake us, but is always walking with us. Amen. Would you glorify the Lord together this morning as we launch into the word of the Lord. We exalt you, Lord. We praise you for the glory of your spirit. We thank you for the light of life. We thank you for the wonder of your amazing grace in us. And we walk by faith and not by sight. We trust in you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Find somebody, shake their hand, look them in the face and say, Isn't the Lord good? So what attitude should we have? We all have one. Not always is it the right one. Not always is it the wrong one. So what attitude should we show? Should we display? What attitude should be emanating from, not with fakery or phoniness, not with some mask we've learned to put on, but rather what attitude ought to be generating from us? And I'm going to tell you attitudinal change comes from word and spirit. The Bible tells us that we're going to be hated. Get a hold of that. Just wrap your arms around it. Pull it up close and give it a big kiss. Bible says you're going to be hated. Why is that a problem? Don't hate back. Psalm 119.87, they have almost made an end of me on earth, but I've not forsaken your precepts. Matthew 10.22, and you will be hated of all men for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. 2 Thessalonians 1 and 4, Therefore we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith and all your persecutions and your afflictions that you are enduring. James 5 and 8, You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Hear me today. We will be hated. Just don't hate back. If you can learn to be hated and love in spite of it, then you have taken on the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. For he was hated, and yet he died because of love. He was despised, but instead of despising back, he reached with an arm of love, a brokenness, and a bleeding of his own self so that men might be redeemed. We will be hated. Don't worry about it. Don't hate back. During trials and persecutions, this is no time to make major changes in your belief system or your position in life. One of the dangerous tricks that the enemy tries to do is when we're going through depressing times and when we're going through battles of, of, of trial and trouble and testing, we can, if we're not careful, allow our belief system to be challenged and we'll allow ourselves to make changes that when we come into our right mind, it's too late to go back. We wish we had never made. Listen to this pastor carefully. The scripture said there in Psalm. 1987 they have almost made me made an end of me on the earth but I have not forsaken your precepts when you're going through trouble when you're hated when you're going through difficult times when you feel despised depressed despondent don't change what you're doing stick to it don't adopt a new doctrine stay to the one you've been believing up to that point if you're going to make changes make changes in the good days Make changes when things are flying high and all is well and you're not depressed, despondent, and challenged. Make, make changes after you've come through the trial and you're standing on the other side victorious. That's the time to make change if you're going to make change. But while you're in your storm, my brother, my sister, the test is about your storm. The test is about the house in the storm. Don't adjust the foundation while the wind's blowing. Just stand fast and come out on the other side. Make adjustments after the storm is over. Not only should we keep a right attitude about being hated and not hating others, but we need to actively seek to obey the Lord and resist the devil and temptation. 
Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance and race the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, endured the cross despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. It's in the testing times, brothers and sisters, that if we're going to do anything, we need to lighten the load. Get rid of some things. If you're going to get rid of anything, don't change your doctrine. Get rid of things that keep you from the truth. Lighten those things off that are keeping you from pursuing God with more passion, more purpose, and more intensity. That's what the Word of God tells you to do. And when you're in a storm, you need to lighten things up. Any ship that's been in a storm that they didn't know if they're going to endure, they start throwing the unnecessary things off the boat for the sake of enduring the storm. There's sometimes we go into storms so that some unnecessary things can be thrown off the boat. Throw them off, brother. Throw them off, sister. And just keep walking in truth and keep walking in the pursuit of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 5, 9, resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of suffering are being experienced by the brotherhood throughout the world. Resist the devil, resist him. Don't open up to him, resist him. Be a stubborn cuss for all I know and just resist him with everything you got. Ephesians 6 and 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against the flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. So stand. Let the winds blow. Let the storms come. Just stand. If I've learned anything in 2017, it's this. I'm not budging until I hear a word from God. I'm not moving until I've got a sure word from him. But as long as the wind is blowing, as long as the storm is troubling, I'm standing fast to get to the other side of the storm. It's in the midst of storms that we need to live holy and forgiving lives. It's in the midst of, uh, of trial and trouble that we need to live a life that is holy and a life that is forgiving. 1 Peter 2 and 12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Church, when this story is done, it, only, it won't only be this good book, but it's going to be your life lived among men that God is going to point to and say, you had an example, not only with my word, but you had a brother, you had a sister who walked among men with a credible spirit and a glorious heart who was willing to let their light shine that men might see Christ in them and glorify God. Matthew 5, 44, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Romans 12 and 19 says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For, for by doing so, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not, overcome, be, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Rejoice in suffering. Man, I'm having trouble with this. I was repenting this morning to the Lord about that again. I haven't quite got this one conquered, so I'm praying in the next two, three weeks, I'll get it whooped before we go into 18. Romans 5, 3, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. I wish this, I wish I could take a pen knife and cut the text out of my Bible. I'm sorry, you're all more spiritual than me, but I'm yet to grow up in this area of my Christian living. Anybody in here got this whooped? When trouble comes to your home, you're just, whoa, man, I'm so glad we got trouble. Man, I'm so glad the church has got some troubles going on. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. Who's, who said I was trying to get endurance? I didn't sign up for that. Yeah, but let me tell you something. If you're ever going to make it to heaven, that's the key to getting there. 
Hear me very carefully. If you're going to make it into heaven, the key to your success in walking into that city is that word called endurance. It's not a dirty word. It's not a word to be abhorred. It's a word to get a hold of and say, man, I'm going to rejoice so I can endure and get on the other side of this. And when he comes back for his own, he'll readily identify me because I got my endurance muscle just pumping right away. And endurance produces character. Well, who said I wanted character? And character produces hope. Oh, now that I want. But you can't have hope until you've been through some endurance. You can't have hope until you've been through some character building. Because endurance and character building bring about in your spirit the ability to look at giants in life and say, I'm rejoicing because I've seen your kind before and we whooped them before. And we're going to endure through this one again. And we'll come out on the other side again because I have hoped in God and endured through this trouble before. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. The only way you'll ever endure, the only way you'll ever overcome is when you let the Holy Ghost abound in your spirit and let the Holy Ghost just live, 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 live to its fullest and do through the power of that spirit. You can endure, character gets changed, and hope builds in you by enduring through the power of the Holy Ghost. Matthew 5, 11 and 12. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. Oh, shut up, Matthew. For your your reward is great in heaven. Well, now that I can get with. For they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Boy, I'm going to tell you, if you're getting persecuted today and people are saying bad things about you that aren't the truth. Now, if they're saying bad things the truth, well, you need to pray through. But if it's not the truth, you've got a great group of people to identify with. It's called prophets. Great men of God. Great women of God. Who were prophets and prophetesses in the scripture. Who are identified in the word of God as some of God's most valued people. Hey, if they're saying bad stuff about you and you know it's not the truth. Woo-hoo-hoo. I know you don't want to. You want to get on the phone or Facebook or phone. Forget the phone nowadays. Get on Facebook or get on whatever. uh, Twitter or tweet or whatever it is. And you want to tell everybody. I tell you these people are a bunch of losers. You're going to lose it. Just shut up. And rejoice. Maybe you change your Facebook post to. Well they've been talking bad about me again. Praise the Lord. That might steal it too. I don't know. I say you just keep it between you and your spouse or you and your best friend and let's rejoice in the Lord and trust him that he's going to bring it all out in the end. Acts chapter 5 verse 41. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. The United Pentecostal Church has been dishonored through the years. And we've we've gained some favor, but I'm going to tell you, across the board, we're still dishonored. Don't be ashamed of who we are. Be counted worthy that they count us as shame and disgrace. Shout the victory, for our predecessors had the exact same problem. Our predecessors had the exact same issue. Shout the victory. Rejoice and be glad because you're identifying with a separatist movement in the first place. 1 Peter 4.12, beloved, be not surprised at the fire trial when it comes to test you. That's why it comes. As though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings. That you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him, be not, let him not be ashamed. But let him glorify God in that name. Are you suffering today? Then I will tell you, it's a good time to rejoice. It's a good time to magnify the Lord it's a good time to exalt Jesus Christ because there is glory on the way in the middle of your testing you need to rely upon the promises of God and you need to you need to ask him and trust him that his grace will come to help you endure Lamentations 3 22 says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases either the word of God is true or God's the biggest liar who's ever graced this world 
the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. So when your head tells you that he doesn't love you anymore, either his word is true and you're a liar and your mind's lying to you or God's, or God's a liar and you're right. I'll tell you what I choose to believe. I choose to believe his word. I don't care what I'm thinking. I don't care what's going through my head, my heart, and my mind. The Bible says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Who's faithful here? God. Who's faithful here? God. Whose love never ceases? God. Whose mercy never comes to an end? God. Not you and I, but God. Psalm 18, 17, he rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. I preached to you during this year a message on your giants bigger than you can handle. You remember that? Yeah, it's bigger than you. It wouldn't be a test if it wasn't bigger than you. My kids don't challenge me when they're little kids. Whoop-dee-doo. I'm going to beat you up, Dad. <laughs> right. But let a grown man come in with some skill. Now we got a test on our hands. God's never going to send you a test that you can whoop without him. He's going to send you a test that you're going to have to say, this one's got me whooped. I need you, Jesus. I need more grace. I need more power. I need more strength. And I cannot do this unless you come through. That's what tests are for. He rescued me from the strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. I'm looking for a support group. You got one. His name is Jesus Christ. Biggest support group you'll ever find in the world. And he's written a book that you can read and find all the support you ever want to find. Right here. Just go to this support group. Come to this support gathering. I, I don't understand people who miss church when they're in trouble. It's the last place you ought to miss when you're in trouble. I'm going to tell you, this is a support group. You come in here, you don't get to talk. I'm going to tell you, half these support groups shouldn't let anybody talk. But the person who's speaking from the word. You just need a little more truth. All right. I'm not a support group supporter, nevertheless. <laughs> they confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. He is the worker. He is the deliverer. It's not because of your cognitive ability or your people skills. It's because God is a deliverer. It's because God has a big place for you. It's because God wants to take you somewhere. Trust in the Lord. Nahum chapter 1, 7 and 8. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. I know those who take refuge. He knows those who take refuge in him. But with an overflowing flood, he will make a complete end of the adversaries and will pursue his enemies into darkness. You don't have to chase them. Let him chase them. My wife and I were talking this week. I forget which night of the week it was, and we had another incident happen this week, and I was just like, dear God, man, when does this stop? I wasn't shouting hallelujah. I looked at my wife, we were at the dining room table, I looked across the table at her, I said, I'm going to tell you what, it seems like everything for the last 12 to 18 months I've touched has just gone. I've never known that before. So that's why I preach what I've preached all year long. I may not be helping you, but I'm trying to help me. Amazingly enough, because I'm your pastor, a lot of that is you. Now, now take, that, take that the right way. You're going through trouble and it concerns me. I could be standoffish. I could be on the golf course. And I'm not against golf. And I don't even want to say that. I don't give a flip if you golf all day, every day of the week, as long as you pray while you're doing it. I could do a lot of things. I could travel the world. I have invitations at nauseum. I've got four invitations right now to go preach in Africa and in, in, uh, in uh, England and, and uh, in, where's the third one? I got three invitations sitting in my email box right now wanting me to preach after the first of the year. I've said no to all of them. I'm a pastor. That doesn't mean I'll say no to everything. I just didn't feel like I should do that. <laughs> 
But here's what I'm trying to tell you. Church, I care. And so caring for you when you're in trouble, I feel the burden of your trouble. When you're being fed, when you're being messed with by the enemy and he's deceiving some of your minds, it deeply troubles me. Let me just share. Man, I'm open my heart for just five minutes here. I tell you, when the enemy messing with your head, I go back to prayer and say, God, where did I miss it? Did I fail to preach the truth to them? Did I, did I not properly embed in them the principles of God's word? Where did I miss the mark here? Because the enemy seems to be messing with their heads and they're believing it. And I've literally preached against those things. So I wrestle and I battle and I pray. And I have to pray till I get victory. So a lot of this is you. And then some of it is you. Romans 8, 18, for I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy comparing with the glory that's to be revealed in us. Pentecostals this year has been tough, but let me hear, let me tell you something. If it's been this tough for some of us, then brothers and sisters, how much greater is heaven going to be when we get on the other side of this story and we enter into the city where the lamb is the light? There's a hope beyond here. This world is full of trouble, but that world is full of the glory of God. Romans 8 35 who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake we are being killed all the day long we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us the only way to be a conqueror is you gotta fight Conquerors don't dance to, to victory. Conquerors got to take something that's resisting and conquer it. It's kind of what the word means. All these things we are more than conquerors. You're going to over, have to overcome tribulation. You're going to have to overcome distress. You're going to have to overcome persecution. You're going to have to overcome famine, or at least a diet. You're going to have to overcome nakedness. You're going to have to overcome danger. You're going to have to overcome a sword. You're going to have to overcome these things in your life and win the victory. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us. Nothing shall separate us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's nothing that can separate you from his love. Hebrews 13, 6. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Revelation 3 and 10. Because you've kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. Listen, Pentecostals, if we'll just keep enduring with the right spirit full of love of God and let the love of God abound in us, he's going to keep us from some things when this story comes to an end. Finally, we need to trust in the promises of God. Hear me today as your pastor. Trust the promises of God. Trust the promise. If you don't know them, get to know them. How can you trust what you don't know? And the only way to know the promises of God are in this precious book. You got to be a student of the book. Quit consulting everybody and everything else. Open this good old book in a version that's accurate and a version that you can read and begin to appreciate the precious promises of God. He will speak to you in trouble he will speak to you in trials he will use his word to speak plainly to you you'll open the word and begin to read and go oh my goodness it's like he knows where I'm at Hebrews 13 5 keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have for he has said he has, why should we not worry about money? And why should we be content with what we have? Because he has said, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. Some of us don't believe that. We're working so hard trying to take care of ourselves. We've forgotten that he said he would. Psalm 23, 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even if I'm, if I'm walking through the darkest valley I've ever walked through, he will not depart from you. 
Isaiah 43 and 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flames shall not consume you. For I, why? Why? Because you're so good. No, for I'm the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Sheba in exchange for you. Pentecostals, the reason he's going to stick with you in the trouble is because he's God and he made a promise. It's not because you deserve it. It's not because you've worked so hard to get to this place. It's because he said, I'm God and I gave my word and my word I'll keep. In fact, the psalmist writes and says, I'll honor my word above my name. You got to trust in the promises of God. Either God is true or he's a liar. Pentecostals, do we live like the word of God and our God is true? Or do we think it's our job to take care of us? Matthew 28 and 20. Teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always for a while. Original Greek means forever. They tried to make it sound good by saying to the end of the age, the end of the world. Truth be known, it means literally I will be with you for ages without end. If you put your trust in this Lord Jesus Christ and keep him and hold on to his promises, I promise you there is no end to his keeping his covenant with you. Pray always. Man, alive. I'm wore out, Ephesians 6, 18. But I got to get it through. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance. Making supplication for all the saints. Don't just pray for your house. Pray for everybody's house. Don't just pray for your need. Pray for everybody's need. Don't just pray because you got trouble. Pray because everybody's got trouble. All God's kids got trouble. Carry somebody else besides your family. Deeply burdened in your spirit. Psalm 38 verse 15. But for you, O Lord, do I wait. It is you, O Lord, my God, who will answer. For I said, only let them rejoice, not rejoice over me who boast against me when my foot slips. He's praying. It's a good prayer. You ought to pray. Don't let them rejoice over me, Lord, when my foot slips. All those guys out there just waiting for me to fall. There's bukus. You don't let them rejoice when I slip. Psalm 143.9. Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. I fled to you for refuge. This is prayers, church. By the way, the Psalms. We, we talk about the Psalms being songs. It really was Psalms of prayer. These were prayers they prayed. And there's some that they would walk up to the temple praying. There's a litany of them. They would walk each step praying and singing these psalms. And they would come back down those stairs praying these psalms. Because it was more than a good song. It was the prayer of their heart to God. Micah 7, 7. But as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Rejoice not over me, O my enemy. For when I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, my God will be a light to me. You may be in darkness at this moment. Sit still and let the light come on. You may be in the place of despair at the moment. Be still and let his light and power come. And let him destroy your enemy against you. Luke chapter 18, 7 and 8. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? He's just looking for some people to believe. 1 Peter 4 and 7, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Prayer is serious business. Prayer is serious business. Prayer is serious business. Prayer is serious business. It is the work of the church. Prayer is the work of the kingdom of God. Prayer is the labor of the people of God. Prayer is when we find ourselves attuned with him. And when you pray in the spirit, you begin to pray what the Lord wants prayed. And when you pray in such levels, you begin to conquer and win victories and win battles, not only for yourself, but for those you intercede for. Because there is power in intercessory prayer. There is power through spirit-led prayer. Church, we got to mature there. If there's anything that ought to come out of 17 is... We got to go deeper in prayer until we shake the foundations of the earth with a prayer church that knows how to shake this world. 
Finally, we have an example of victory in Jesus Christ, who is our, he's our predecessor. The scripture calls him our elder brother. He went before us. Jesus was triumphant. He was triumphant. 1 Corinthians 15, 25 says, for he must reign until he has put all of his enemies under his feet. The whole purpose of Jesus coming, and I don't have time to get into it all, but the truth of the matter was the world was in a mess. Jesus Christ comes into the world to put all the enemies under his feet. Hebrews 2.14, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he, like him, he, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. The reason Jesus came was to destroy the power of death that worked in us, and it desires to work in you again. But Christ came to destroy the power of Satan in us. And deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not the angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. He knows where you're at. He knows what temptation looks looks like and he overcame every time I'm telling you there's not an individual in this room who can stand up and say overcame every time so quit looking to us and start looking at the only one who successfully endured every temptation and overcame it successfully every time well, so-and-so's doing this and so-and-so's doing that. Shut up, man. What's Jesus doing? Whew, I'm taking a break. What's our vindication? What, 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 what's Jesus doing by vindicating us? Or is he vindicating us? He is. And Jude 24 says, one of my favorite verses of scripture, when I read this text at a particular point in my life many years ago, it literally changed my life forever. This one verse. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Now to him who is able to, to keep you from stumbling. I didn't know he was out there trying to help me not stumble. And to present me blameless to himself. He's working harder at making you blameless than you are. That revolutionized my life when I realized, God, actually I was on his team and I was not opposed to him. I wasn't on the opposing team. I grew up thinking I was on the opposing team. He had 15 goalies at the goal. I couldn't get a shot in if I wanted to. Fact of the matter is, he's got an open goal. If you can get past him, you're in. And he's trying to tell you how to get there. He'll pass you, he'll give you a little map. If you just ask. I'm sorry. 2 Timothy 1.12, which is why I suffer as I do. But I'm not ashamed, for I know in whom I have believed. And I'm convinced that he is able to guard again until that day, that which I've entrusted to him. And he's entrusted to me. He's going to take care of it, church. Quit trying to take care of it. Trust him. Psalm 126, 1 and through 3. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. I'll give you houses you didn't build. I'll give you vineyards you didn't plant. I'll cause milk and honey to flow everywhere that you didn't have anything to do with. They were, it's like a dream. We're sitting around here in a dream world of deception. We're sitting here in a dream world of what we think we can do with the American dream. That's not the dream you ought to be dreaming. You need to be dreaming the dream of Jesus Christ. He said, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, his church, we were like those who dreamed. Then our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Why does God want to help you? Because he wants the nations to say, wow, what a God. Well, too many of us are wanting to be praised. Too many of us go about it trying to get somebody to say something good about us. That's not the purpose. When we get done with our story, they should say, what a God. For the Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. 
that you may be tested. And for 10 days you'll have tribulation. Be faithful unto death. And I will give you a crown of life. We ought to take heart from the example of Jesus Christ and facing his own persecution. The persecution of Jesus was predicated on the Old Testament. I, did I abbreviate that? I did. I'm sorry. That's, that's, old, that's habit from writing. Isaiah 50 and verse 6. I give my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. Isaiah writes this concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. I offered myself up. I gave my back to those who struck me. I let them have my cheeks and they pulled out my beard. I didn't hide my face from disgrace and they spit on me and I sat there and endured it I could take you to Psalm 22 verses 1 3 I could take you to Isaiah 5 uh, 53 7 through 12 and read to you what the Bible says would happen to this man named Jesus but here's what happened in Matthew 27 26 then they released then he released for them Barabbas and having scourged Jesus delivered him to be crucified then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole battalion before him and they stripped him put a scarlet robe on him and twisted together a crown of thorns they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand and kneeling before him they mocked him saying hail king of Jews and they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head and when they had mocked him they stripped him of the robe and put on his clothes on him and led him away to be crucified brothers and sisters your trial is nowhere near what Jesus endured your trouble is nowhere near what he endured and he does not expect you to do that but what I'm here to tell you is if he could endure such suffering knowing it was prophetically prophesied if he could endure such things then brothers and sisters our endurance is certain that if we'll endure on the other side is provision beyond our wildest imaginations the relevant the relevance of Jesus Christ's innocent suffering is for us the reason he suffered was not for himself. I preached this to you last Sunday, 1 Peter 2, 20. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, that's the gracious thing in the sight of God. For, this, for to, to this you have been called. To this you have been called. To this you have been called. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. Brothers, there's not a one of us in the house that can make that statement. We all got a little deceit in us. No deceit was found in him. When he was reviled, he didn't go back at him. Oh, you think I'm not a healer? You think I'm not a physician? Watch this. Pow, pow, pow. 50 miracles right there at the cross. He could have. He could have blown their minds. The old song that we used to sing and haven't sang in many, many years is he could have called down 10,000 angels. And he could have, but he chose to endure for you. Can you endure for somebody else? When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. Had a guy flip me off this morning on the way to church. <laughs> Coming out of our neighborhood's a little bit of a challenge. Traffic's supposed to be at 45 miles an hour, and according to the signs, they're supposed to take the far road street, a far lane in the road, so that we in our neighborhood can pull out into the inside lane and come up to speed before it merges into one lane. That doesn't happen. And it's on a curve, so you can't always see what's coming. And uh, so I pulled out. Went, I, I let a car go by. There, there appeared no cars. I took off, and as soon as I started, hit the gas and pulled out here, he came around the corner going, God only knows how fast he was flying. I knew I was in trouble, and I knew he was on the inside lane. So I took off to the outside lane, which is actually should have been where he was at. But I went to the outside lane. And, we, and immediately it merges. Immediately it merges. And so I chose not to merge. I chose not to be a jerk. It's amazing. It was Sunday morning. I had to come preach. Instead, I took the side of the road to let him come flying by, and he proceeds to flip me off. I wanted to give him the eagle, but you got a bird, I got an eagle, man. Nevertheless, I maintained my Christ-like spirit. Also, his windows were fogged up so he couldn't see. <laughs> when he suffered, he didn't threaten. 
He could have stood there. He could have hung there on the tree and said, gentlemen, I got my assistant over here keeping records. All you dudes who swung the hammer, hammer time. You're going down. Don't think when you meet St. Peter, I'm being so facetious here, it's ridiculous, but don't think when you meet St. Peter, you're going anywhere but to hell. We don't read that. In fact, while he's in his suffering, while he's in his pain, while he's in this horrific, torturous moment, he looks at an honest-hearted man who said, would you remember me? And he has enough stamina and enough character and enough of God in him. Even though just prior to this, the scripture says he felt alone. Felt like he'd been forsaken. But he has enough of a God character in him to look at a man who's also suffering and say, today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Man, we get in a little trouble. We can't even say a nice thing to the people that love us. You got Jesus for an example, church. I'm trying, that's what I'm trying to get across to you today. He's our elder brother and he's given us a whole book of how he did it. Let's do it too. But continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. 1 Peter chapter 3, 14 through 17. But even when if you've suffered for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as, all, as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason of the hope that's in you. Yet do it with gentleness and with respect, not a horse's hind end. That's the Andrew King paraphrase. Having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. I'm almost done. First Peter chapter 4 verse 13 and 14. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings. That you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. And I bring you to one more text before my final text today. And it's not in my slides. But I bring it to you for the sake of reminding us. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10 reading. King James Version says this. Uh, verse 7 beginning, But the, what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all these things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteous, which is of God by faith. Why? Why have I counted it all dung? Why have I not tried to defend who I am? Why have I not sought to, to gain ground and, and defend my right as an apostle of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Verse 10 is the key. That I may know him. Pentecostals, if we could ever see Jesus like the Apostle Paul saw Jesus, your home, your car, your, everything you, you've got would not matter to you. I know it's shocking. I know I, mere saying that statement, it sends silence in the room. But hear me today. If you could ever see Jesus like Paul saw Jesus, none of it matters if giving it up is what's needed to know him. And he continues. Because he wasn't on a power trip. He wasn't hungry for power. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Oh, that sounds like that's what he's after. Oh, no, he's looking for balance. And the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable to his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Pentecostals, our suffering, your suffering, my suffering, our troubles are light stuff. 2 Corinthians 4.17 is my final verse. I've taken you through 45 selections of scripture and 90, actually 107, 8, 9, 10, 11, 103 verses in the course of 40 minutes. 
for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us sila for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us For this light, oh, it doesn't seem light to me. This light momentary affliction is doing a work. An eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. When the writer wrote and said, I hath not seen nor ear heard the things that are in store for those who wait for him. He's referencing this text which tells us your, your endurance through light affliction is building you a place that you have no idea how gorgeous, beautiful, and wonderful it is because nobody's ever had the opportunity to compare what is there with here. Seventeen's been a year of H-E double toothpicks. Hockey sticks, whatever your particular civilized nomenclature is. I'm here to tell you, the bookends are in. Let's walk out of this believing in our God more than we entered into this year. Let's walk out of this year knowing that he can keep those who put their trust in him. Let's walk out of this year saying our God's bigger than I ever thought he was. I walked in not knowing what kind of God he was. I'm walking out of here telling you, my God shall supply all my need according to the riches in Christ Jesus. There is no enemy that can stand against us. For greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. I don't care what weapon they form against us. It shall not prosper. For the God we serve has brought us this far. And he intends to bring us to the end. If we'll simply trust and hold fast to his promise and believe in him. I want us as a conclusion today to stand across this building and rejoice in the Lord. Do whatever you got to do to rejoice in the Lord because he has taught us how great he is this year. He has taught us how marvelous he is this year. He has taught us what a compelling, overwhelming God he is. Oh, rejoice in the Lord. Don't stop till you praised him till you drop. God we serve. Angels bow before you. Heaven and earth adore you. There's nobody like you, Jesus. And you love us. And you provide love always to us. You offer grace to us as we humble our hearts before you. And you guide our steps. You order our path. You bless abundantly. You save us. You deliver us. You set us free. I glory in you, Jesus. I glory in you, Jesus. I glory in you, Jesus. Why don't you get out of the aisle for a moment? You don't have to shout and dance. Just get out of where you're at and begin to just praise God. Right ever, wherever you're at. Give him glory for all of his goodness. Give him glory for all of his grace. Give him glory that he kept you and he kept a sound mind. Oh, glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah, 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, the Lord is good. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Here's where some of us have been. Writer David says, Truly God is good to Israel for the, to those who are pure in heart. As for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. That's verse 1, 2, 3 of Psalm 73. Verse 16 says, But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to be a wearisome task. Brothers and sisters, you're never going to figure it out with your head. There is no cognition to figure this mess out. It makes no sense. He's got it all under control, but it makes no sense to us. So he said, when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to be a wearisome task. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned there's an end to this story. There's an end to this situation. And in the end, we'll understand. The old song says, by and by, when the morning comes, we'll understand it better. By and by. Pentecostals, we're living for the by and by. We're living for what's coming. Just walk by faith, knowing you got a God who's with you, a God who won't fail you. Don't be deceived by what you see. Walk in the Spirit. Walk according to the Word and believe God to bring you out of this in the end. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah to the Lamb who was slain, who is perfect in every way to save us and deliver us from our own sin and deliver us into your hand. We glory in you. Hallelujah. One of the most powerful tools the devil uses is your brain. He throws thoughts in there that are not your thoughts. But if you keep harboring them, if you keep thinking on them, all of a sudden they become your thoughts. Do what the scripture says. Submit every thought to Christ and figure out if it's of the Lord or if it's of other things. And cast it out when it's not of God. How can I do that, pastor? By the word. Let the word clear your thoughts. Let the word clean up your thought life. And if you began to doubt whether God loves you, I got to tell you, it's a lie. This Bible's full of him declaring he loves you. It's the devil who tries to tell you he doesn't love you rebuke him in Jesus name get up and believe God loves you and walk on well trouble comes I'm not a good guy dear Jesus have you read Abraham have you read Job have you read all the apostles <laughs> have you read the first three chapters of the book of Revelation to talk about the church and he calls it his church I wouldn't call it my church he calls them all his church what a mess those churches were he wasn't ashamed of them. And dear God, he's certainly not ashamed of Highland Village Church. Quit acting like you ought to be ashamed of. Just walk because you're hated by the world and loved by Jesus. I've been preaching to you on Wednesday nights for some things to hate and some things to love. Amen? So if you're hated, shout the victory. If they make fun of you because the way you dress, shout the victory. Woo! You see them hate on me? Whoa! Jesus loves me trying to help you quit being so defeatist in your mindset and believe that God is on our side I've given you a hundred plus verses today hopefully you wrote them down if you don't they'll put this online at some point put these verses of scripture somewhere that when you when your depressed chair wherever that chair is in the house put these texts right next to in fact let me offer you a question a, a solution you all have computers rarely any of you don't have one go and get online to what's what's some of these online net things I don't use them so what, what's what's an online bible Bible Gateway. Go to Bible Gateway. Find all these texts. Put them on a document. Google Docs. Microsoft Word. Uh, paper. What, what's, the one on, what's the one for, Microsoft, for uh, Mac? Pages. Put it on paper. I'm just trying to help you every way I know how right now. Put them in full text. KJV. ESV. NLT. ABC. DEF. Whatever version you like. As long as it's accurate, be careful. There's some inaccurate ones out there. I would avoid some. You, you have a question about that, send me an email. Most of the ones I just, not A, B, C, D, E, F, but most of the rest of them. 
I'm not your Bible. Andrew, I'm, dear God, I got a wife and children. and we got a home and I'm trying to pastor church. I'm working a job. I'm trying to make it just like you are. I'm not superhuman. I have opportunity to pray more than you. That's about it. Okay. Get your Bible out. He'll talk to you just like he talks to me. We ought to become such connoisseurs of the book that there's nobody in the building that couldn't give what I preached today. You couldn't walk in here and preach it. If you saw my notes, all my notes are is one scripture right after the other. I have three phrases I wrote. That's it. Oh, I gave titles. I titled it. Okay. I gave titles to every section so I could keep track myself. But I wrote three sentences out of 16 pages of notes. And you got the word. You can do that for yourself. If you'll just go get yourself a little search tool and find the word you're looking for and then print it out, put it in big sheets of paper. If you've got to get it up to 16 point or 22 point or wherever it is you can so you can read, then print it out that way, lay it next to the chair for the next year, 2018. Every time you're starting to feel down, grab it. My God, where are we going to find a verse? Oh, I feel that way sometimes. I'm going to tell you, there's moments in my walk with the Lord where I'm like, dear God, i got to hear from you. I, I don't want to talk to nobody. I'm not answering the phone. I'm not responding to an email. So I get to a place where I can get his word and prayer. Oh, yes, I do. Because I'm in trouble. The Lord is good. And he is on our side. Let me rephrase that. We're on his side. Because he's called us his children. We got his name. We've been buried in his name. We've been baptized with his spirit. We've been full of the Holy Ghost. Just live and walk like you're one of his. Read his book. Read his love letters. Let him speak to you. Let him preach to you. Let him give you wisdom. And walk by the grace of God. That's what 2017 has been about. Amen? Amen. Now get out of here and go do it. You've praised him for it. Some of you have shouted and danced about it. And I praise God for all that. Now let's go live it. Let's be wise men and women and walk out of here and start building our house like the Word of God tells us to. Amen? God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. We'll see you Wednesday night in the house of the Lord. Be here. Be square.